0: I won't have to use too much of my very limited German this week. Uh, this is the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast, joined by Chris Lakey. We'll, we'll say hello to Chris in, in North Norfolk, and then we'll say guten tag to Paddy, who joins us from uh, from Germany. Uh, Chris, let's, let's start with you before Paddy tells us all about his adventures in, in Germany. Um, what have you been up to this week? How, how's, it, how's it been for you? Uh, another week at home? I think we're all getting a bit used to this now, aren't we?
1: i been a gamusa handler, which I may well be a grocer. Um, I remember at school we had, these, uh, had to learn German, and it was always Fritz and Susie pip, and that was it, that's all I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, good, I, I, I've had a good and a bad week. I'm, um, I was uh, cast as the baddie because I couldn't go to AFC Rushton and Diamonds versus Kings Lynn because they wouldn't let the media in, for the safety of their fans and players. So I did feel like I had a bloody bell ringing. I was most unhappy. I wanted to see Kings play last night. Uh, just a little bit of news that's come out this morning, as we know, that Archie Mayer, Norwich City goalkeeper, on loan to, uh, to Kings Lynn this season, he's out in Germany. Um, he's been called up to Scotland under 21s, which is terrific. That makes him, I think, the second player in that Kings squad at the moment, who has been in an under 21 squad for Scotland because Cameron King was and he of course uh, signed for Lynn on Monday. Nice talk to him. He joins quite a lot of Norwich City faces at uh, Carrow Road, uh, sorry at the Walks. Boy. That's what sort of week it's been. I'm getting me grounds muddled. That's, that's yeah, really, good.
0: Yeah, that's, that's good. They, they feel like they're, um, they're building a fairly decent side to have a crack at the National League now, Lynn.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Had, I'll, I'll give you my most random German word before, we, before we get to the, which is uh, which is Krankenhaus which is hospital I think that's that's the limit of my German knowledge. Um, oh I, I, that's not right I thought you're gonna say like,
2: something like going cool. or something like
0: that. I can't well, well I just remember it because uh, in my German lessons it was just overly aggressive um, which which I think some of the, the German words is so that's why <laughs> it stuck with me. Um, anyway, anyway how is uh, how's Germany um, without giving us your exact address let, let people know exactly sort of where you're, you're based Yourself. Yeah, we are,
2: well, the football club, we'll work back, they are based at their usual, I think it's the fourth year running now, they're in a place called Haas which is probably for ease of uh, recognition, about an hour east of Dortmund, um, so heading into the interior, but uh, still in North Rhine, Westphalia, that's that's the region, and uh, they're there, it's quite a rural area, um, more villagey than town, I would suggest, in terms of the football Uh and we are about 25 minutes south of them in a place called Reetberg. Uh, myself and uh, crack photographer Paul Chesterton, um, who I think at this minute is upstairs. Uh, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> I haven't seen too much of him this morning. But uh, he's taking it. He's having a chilled one. So uh, because we're basically, we, we, we're talking to you here on uh, sort of late Wednesday morning, your time. Uh, and we're shortly heading out to Norwich's second tour match, uh, which is Dynamo Dresden in a place called Delbrook, which is about... Fifteen minutes from here, um, and that is obviously on the back of their opening tour game on Monday, of course, which was against SC Verl. They won three uh, nil to continue a bit of a theme. Really, given that they opened up at Colney with six 0 win over MK Dotton, so plenty of goals, not conceded any. Um, some positive signs, and uh, yeah, it was, it was good. The access is good over here. Uh, we was at the training ground yesterday. Had a good chat with Stuart Weber. Um, Observed sort of the early part of training, then they kicked us out. Uh, While well, they worked on some tactical stuff, but uh, hopefully we'll get ourselves back there a bit later in the week. Speak to a few of the guys, uh, some of the new players, and uh, had a good chat with Kieran Dowell already, of course. And uh, yeah, and then they culminate uh, Saturday at the training ground. There's two training pitches there, uh, just at the bottom of the hotel. It's a really brilliant set away they've got there, and uh, they're going to be playing Es the St- Darmstadt, formerly of the Bundesliga, and now Bundesliga two. Uh, and that's actually a double header. Yeah, they're going to play two ninety-minute matches that they, which probably underlines the amount of players they've got out here that they feel they're able to do that. Darmstadt clearly can do the same, and uh, that will round them up their tour. And then it'll be back to Blighty for uh, for a League Cup tie against Luton, which is going to be very interesting in terms of selections.
0: Yeah, I'm beginning to think that that we might be on the bench for that game, but uh, we'll, we'll come to that uh-huh. bit, a, a, a bit later on. Um, Lakers. Before we we talk about um, the German tour with Paddy, I thought we'd come to you first because I'm sure you've had numerous experiences with with Norwich City preseason tours. I, I thought I'd uh, pick your brain a little bit as maybe the most obscure place you've been, or, or whether you've got any interesting stories from uh, from any preseason tours. Well, funnily enough, I never
1: went overseas because I don't fly. And a week before they were due to go to Sweden, I realized I was ready to fly, but I hadn't somehow booked a ticket. And I think it was Sweden, and um, I hadn't got a valid passport. <laughs> <laughs> um, whoops, I couldn't fly. Um, the most glamorous it's ever been for me was um, Scotland when we stayed at St Andrews, a place I've stayed at a couple of times before, and thoroughly enjoyable. Uh, can't say it was quite as intense as i thought it would be this was in um was it 2009 under gunny or was it the year before i can't remember but certainly it was uh, brian Gunn was the manager so it would have been 2009 wouldn't it that summer um yeah it was okay i don't i think tours you know quite often that back in the day i think they were a lot different to what they are now i mean it's clearly a training camp Then it was a tour and a little bit of a holiday, I think. You know, I mean, we wandered, I was with Chris Gorham, actually, from BBC Radio Norfolk. We wandered into a restaurant and there was Owen Gill and, uh, Owen Gill, Matt Gill, and Owen Tudor Jones. Now, just the two of them just having a bit of dinner in the evening. I think now that probably wouldn't ha- happen. P- Paddy will probably probably me right on this, but I would imagine they all go round on block as a group. I yeah. doubt if you'll get anybody in... Uh, where did you say you were? Haaswinkle?
2: haswinkles where they are, yeah. Uh, yeah uh,
1: I, I doubt if you'll get uh, Emmy Buendia and, and El Hernandez saying, shall we pop out for a pizza? Just the two of us, you know. I can't yeah. see that happening. Um, so I think I think they're a bit more serious now. I mean, there are companies that, that, that just do tours. This was, I mean, it was quite funny. we were on the university playing field um, and they played St Johnston. Now, you know what Norwich City fans are like. They'll turn up everywhere. Nobody expected on this field, and it was a field, no stand, nothing, for Norwich City fans to be there. And they had to quickly find a bit of rope to rope it off because there were like 150 City fans in the middle of Scotland that <laughs> just suddenly turned up for this friendly on a playing field with no facilities whatsoever. Um, but that was good. We went to Wraith as well and we got, we got there early and a chap came to the door and said, Oh, visiting media, do you want to? I'll take you to the press bench. Uh, And he took us all the way through the back of the the stand and everything. And me and Chris sat there. And when they came out for the game, it turned out it was the Wraith Rovers manager who had done that for us. So, yeah, it was a good tour. I I, I enjoyed it. Um, Nobody, you can't go to St Andrews anyway and not enjoy it. It was probably a lot more enjoyable than the football, to be honest. But nothing glamorous. Nothing like Paddy there. Not with the big clock. We didn't have a big clock behind us. Nothing like that.
0: Yeah, it is, yeah. It, it is quite a, a big clock in fairness. Um, <laughs> there'll, be, there'll be some people um, who, who are perhaps wondering about maybe what the, what the regulations, what the restrictions are over in, in Germany. Maybe you could just um, shed a light in, in terms of that and, and maybe why or how Norwich City have been able to to travel to Germany with all of the current restrictions in place. Well, I think probably on that front, it's worth pointing out that across Europe, I think the
2: transmission rates uh, have consistently been as low in Germany as anywhere else. So. So very early on here, that they they were very good on the terms of the track and trace elements, and we don't need to get into the, the minutiae. But it seems that they've been ahead of where they needed to be to try and keep keep the virus under control. And I mean, just in general terms, you know, going going around shops and, and so on and so forth, it, it's it's probably not that dissimilar to the UK now. Um, but but you get the sense that maybe they were in terms of the face masks and, and the social distancing that was probably far earlier happened over here and now it's just a uh, normal behavioral sort of way to go about your life and uh in terms of the the, the setup we've been to the training ground yesterday and um no i think i think they're, they're, they feel they're quite in a secure place it's not a it's not really a place where there's gonna be too many people coming and going they're in a self-contained talking to the eating scenario there they've got their own self-contained sort of function rooms and um, and and areas of the hotel where only they are allowed to go to. So, in that regard, and obviously the training pitches, they're the only team that has been at tours previous where they would have shared training facilities. I remember being here when AS, Roma, well, sorry, AS Monaco were, were here training once um, on an adjacent pitch, but uh, this this time around there isn't any other team. So, I think they're, they're pretty much in, an, in a, as much as they can be in an isolated um, bubble almost, but... Obviously, when they go to the the stadiums, we'll see that today. When when they went uh, the other day, again, as in England, although I say that, but I did see some non-league fixtures where one or two were allowed in, unlike Lakers at at Rushton and Diamonds. But um, there was no fans allowed in at SC uh, Earl's ground on Monday. Uh, That was very, very tightly controlled, to the extent where we needed the assistance of Norwich's head of comms actually to get myself and Paul in, because uh, there'd been a bit of confusion in terms of uh, our uh, sort of accreditation. and it was a very much we wasn't getting in without without uh, somebody from Norwich City almost vouching for us. So it, it, it's it's not. I would say really it, from my like four or five days out here, it isn't that dissimilar to where we are in the UK now in terms of um, trying to put all the measures in place you can within reason. I mean, even I mean, more interestingly for me was we flew out of Stansted uh, on a Ryan plane, and, and you you probably. Would inevitably have had some concerns prior to going out uh, in terms of that mode of travel, but a the plane was only probably about 25, 30 percent full. So I mean, I had um, you know one of those three seated rows to myself, and and also uh, again it was very well controlled. You know, you wasn't allowed to get up and walk about, and face mask on all the way through the journey, uh, and all the way all the way in Stansted Airport. So um, it's just the new normal for where we are at the moment, I think. But uh, in terms of Norwich and how they're moving around the place that I'd imagine they're fairly comfortable. And and obviously, I mean, I did have a chat with, with one or two people at the training ground yesterday and said, well, was there ever any consideration to maybe it's probably better to stay back in the UK? And they said, yeah, of course, they had to consider that. But they, they felt knowing, I think, because they've been here three or four times previous, they knew the environment they were coming into. They knew it would be very secure for them. Um, and they felt comfortable. Um, and also to the point where they didn't, they really place a huge emphasis on this week out in Germany. Kieran Dow touched on it when I spoke to him after the game Monday. It's not only the games and the training facilities, it's the bonding element, which is vital now with the amount of squad turnover we've already seen in terms of incomings. You need that time away 24-7, as he described it, to be in each other's company. Uh, The whole initiation song kind of bonding element to it as well. Um, And they place such an emphasis on this week to the extent where they, they could have obviously come come back or not even come at all and allowed them maybe to play the Luton game this weekend. The, the League Cup tie, I think there is dispensation for some of those ties to take place this coming weekend. But uh, Stuart Webber, in fact, said, no, they, they, they on balance, it's more important for them, they feel, in terms of the league preparations to be out here. And then obviously the, that Luton game will, will now have to take care of itself, which, as we discussed earlier, um, is going to be quite an interesting selection for, for Daniel, given... I think we don't what number we're up to now. It feels like we're up near enough 20 international absentees. So uh, that is going to test the squad, no doubt about it.
0: Yeah, well, I think we're definitely in double digits. And I think we'll touch on that Luton game a little bit later. Um, and we'll bring you some audio that, that Pad recorded with, with Daniel Farker as well, um, following Norwich City's first game against Verl, which seems the, the best place to start, really. Um, Pad, again, I'll come back to you because you were... You, uh, one of, of, of very limited who got to see the game in full. Norwich City won 3-0, goals from Kieran Dow, Adam Eder and Tim Closer. Uh, um, and, and although they won 3-0 and kept a clean sheet, as they did against MK Dons, who they beat 6-0 on Friday at Colney, um, there were some elements of the second-half performance in particular that Daniel Farker wasn't particularly pleased with, wasn't there? Correct. And also, Stuart Webber speaking to me, as I say, yesterday.
2: Uh, they, a little bit more than elements, that they felt the whole performance actually on reflection that they, wasn't happy with at all, uh, surprisingly, because I, I thought there was, certainly in the first half, quite a nice cohesive element to, to how they played. And Dal was the pick, you know, with his goal, and, and then that assist for Adam Eder, who, who again finished very composed. Uh, but no, um, both Daniel and Stuart uh, felt that that's not good enough. That's not the levels they're trying to attain. And, and in terms of detail around those, with and without the ball, they felt they were too easy to, to have chances created against them. Uh, and to be fair, Verl did have two or three attempts. Michael McGovern made a good save. Tim Crawl in the second half. They hit the post in the first half as well. So they felt they were too open, You know, following on that theme from last season perhaps. Uh, and also that control element with the ball, uh, in the, as you say rightly, in the second half especially. But probably all through the game, uh, Stuart described it as a bit too much basketball. You know, you have an attack, we'll have an attack. There wasn't the structure. That I think clearly they feel that, that they need to start embedding into the game. And, and it's difficult because, you know, ultimately there's A, a lot of new players you're trying to assimilate. And also it is a fitness exercise at this stage. Verl the other night, okay, they're a third-tier German side, but that was their fifth pre-season game. They're far more advanced in their preparations for their respective season than Norwich. Um, so you have to give them a little bit of leeway. A, getting to know you element. And also it is really, as Daniel showed with his team selection, he played a completely different 11 in the second half. It is about getting minutes into players at this stage. But maybe that underlines where Daniel and Stewart's mindset is, that that is something they will accept, but they also now want to start seeing a bit more in terms of performance level. And that will be interesting now as we move into today's game and then, then finishing with Darmstadt, you know, because those two sides should be tougher tests in terms of their level of, of playing ability. Um, and I think as a result... The, certainly, the two guys who matter at Norwich want want to see a little bit more from from that group of players. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't package that as any undue concern. They just clearly believe that this group of players um, are probably better than, than what they've, they've they've shown. Although that said, I'm mean, sure was saying the MK Dons they couldn't believe how good they were in that first hit. Um, apparently, um, allegedly, we we obviously didn't get into the game as it turned out. But that, that MK did, Russell Martin apparently played his, what he deems to be his strongest available 11 uh, in that first hour uh, and then changed it around a little bit because I think they played Coventry as well over the weekend. Um, but it wasn't by any stretch uh, uh, a, a bunch of trialists playing for MK. That was, a, in theory, their best starting 11 that's available. And Norwich, by all accounts, Stuart said it, Daniel said it as well. I think Nadimida, Mr. Pennaway, they hit a woodwork two or three times. That could have been double figures. So. Yeah, I think, I think that might have been maybe an element of it. that They were so good, obviously, against MK and their attacking play that maybe they were hoping to carry on that level and it maybe just dipped a little bit on Monday. Um, but it's early days, yet, yeah, and, and it just, for me, would be more the positive side of that is that the potential in this group, um, we saw glimpses of it in terms of attacking-wise on Monday, um, the potential is quite exciting. You know, if they can get the blend right... Um, and a lot obviously depends now between now and the end of the transfer window who stays and maybe who else comes in. But if that blend can be found, then they do look to have quite an exciting mix, certainly attacking-wise. And you would hope defensively, certainly when Hanley's fit and available, um, that they're going to be a bit more solid at the back. So, yeah, all in all, uh, plenty of areas for work, I think, is how they, those two seem to have suffered up that first performance.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think those particular characters would probably be pleased that those flaws, if they perceive them to be flaws, have exposed themselves in, in pre-season perhaps rather than in the opening few games of the championship season. Um, just to give you some perspective on on the type of opponents Norwich City are playing, so Verl uh, got promoted from the fourth tier of Germany to the third tier last season. They're, they're currently some... Issues around their ground, I believe, that they're not quite sure whether or not they're going to be playing in that next season in the third tier. So um, they could end up playing at, at Paderborn's ground. And then Dresden, who Norwich City are playing today as we record this, they recently or last season got relegated from uh, the Bundesliga 2. And of course, you, you might remember that their whole team had to self-isolate after, the, uh, after football came back in Germany because of uh, a couple of positive coronavirus tests. But um, all is good there now. Lakers, um, in, in terms of pre-season, it's, it's a, a really, not, not a horrible time, but just a, a really difficult time to judge anything, isn't it? As, as Pad says there, because you can sort of look at the patterns of play and performances and results, but they don't always tell the full picture. I'm sure we could sit here and list numerous players who have performed really well in pre-season that, haven't then taken that form into the into the actual season. So, although Norwich City have won the opening two games and they needed to win for the confidence, Norwich City supporters can't really read too much into it, can they?
1: No, not at all. Um, what um, I would imagine that Stuart Webber and Daniel Farker will want to see is the players carrying out the instructions they give to them. Um you know, Sometimes the execution doesn't work, but if you're playing to a plan, that's what they want to see, because that will be the plan they want to play in the future, they want that ingrained into their minds. Uh, the, the other thing I think probably we ought to think about is that these two friendly games so far um, haven't featured um, Jordan Hugo, which is a huge signing in the respect of the way they play, um, in that you've got a completely different type of, of, of striker than you've had for a season or two, to me. Um, and, a, and a welcome change from from that as well. Um, and you will need to be able to play to his strengths. This is a guy who also, like Timu Puki, can score in the championship. So you don't waste that advantage. So you need to use uh, a plan or, or come up with a plan that suits him and makes him most effective. So we haven't seen that yet. I mean, the... the There will be reasons he will want to, or Daniel Farker will want to see a bit of this and a bit of that, you know, with Puki Ida, with uh, um, uh, Hugill, without any of them. You know, all eventualities, the worst thing to do is go into a game in the Championship, not just without a plan B, but without a plan A. And this is where plan A and plan B and plan C are all formulated. Um, The other thing, I guess, is that they don't want players... Busting a gut now and suffering injuries. They also don't want their players being on the receiving end of injuries because they've experienced that before to great cost. So I, I think, whilst, I mean, Paddy makes the point that they were disappointed with the Monday display, you sort of look and think, well, yeah, maybe they were disappointed, but as long as all the bodies are nice and fit and not, not you know, carrying injury and limping around, that's okay. They do what it says, you know, on the instruction leaflet, come out of it unscathed. I think that first game of the tour, they should be reasonably happy. But, you know, I mean, I'll go back to what I was doing at the weekend and I was talking to Ian Culverhouse who said it just goes like that. You know, the, the, the curve is at first you, you clear away a few cobwebs, but then you expect something more and something more and something more. So what they will want to see is an improvement from Monday when they play this afternoon and then again at the weekend. I don't know what they've got planned after that. I guess, is there yeah, a, another question? Well, it's, it's Luton, isn't it? When we're playing.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We are, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm
1: we gonna... are. Uh, uh, this is breaking news.
0: <laughs> I'm going to stake a claim for one of the midfield positions, I think. I'm not sure about you. I'm
1: staking a claim for the one with the least energy. So I'll, I'll be the head of the uh, sporting director, please. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sounds Not good. that he doesn 't
1: <laughs> do anything <laughs>
0: <laughs> we 'll we'll come uh, we 'll come to Jordan Hugill in a minute Pat just before we hear, hear from daniel Farquhar and, and and get your chat with him um, Just a, a quick word on Kieran Dow because he seems to be the one that emerged from that. Uh, friendly on Monday with sort of real credit and uh, I'm sure Norwich fans have seen the clips that um, the club have put on their social media firstly of his goal which sort of perhaps showed the clinical edge that many felt they've been lacking particularly from, from their number 10 position last season but equally the, the pass to set up Adamida, which uh, Adam Eder took excellently to be fair nice volley across the goalkeeper but actually a pass okay was gifted too much space and that's probably a different debate but the quality to look for it and execute it again a rare bit of quality and a rare bit of decisiveness that, that perhaps Norwich City didn't have last season in the Premier League?
2: Yeah, all day long. Um, I'm not an Orange fan, but if you line up the 10 as it is now signings, uh, we know within that are some probably development-type additions. But I would be surprised if, if a, a fair proportion of Norwich fans looking at the 10 uh, would not have gotten most excited about Dowell because his pedigree is... Um, for what they pay for him is is a phenomenal piece of business. It, I just feel why he couldn't make the breakthrough at Everton. I find that strange because he actually made his full Premier League debut. In fact, that was his only start for Everton in the Premier League was against Norwich on the final day of the 2016 season. Um, and here we are, sort of four years on, and he's had a succession of sort of, by his own admission, good and bad Championship loan spells, and never quite done enough it seems to convince and that might be a nod to the sort of managerial instability at Everton perhaps but you know I just wonder whether he's, he's, he's 22 years of age he's still a relatively young man and whether his his character is, is one of those where he needs the arm around him and to be told no you're not a bit part player you're not going to come in for a league cup tie here and there you are my main man in that 10 role. I want you to make things happen. You have the license to drop deeper into the eight position, pull wide, as he did for, for that assist for Adam Eder. Um, and if you get that, and you would think Daniel Farker is is CV would suggest that he is the type of manager who will um, create an environment where young players can flourish uh, by showing trust in the man belief and giving them game time um, because we've seen, you know, Jamal, Max, Ben, Todd, da-da-da-da then Norwich could have a seriously good operator at this level on their hands because the talent and the temperament, well, certainly the talent isn't in doubt. You know, he was part of that crop of England young players who who won a World Cup at under-20 level. That was three years ago. And you look at other players who are in that team, Calvert-Lewin and Ryan Brewster and, um, you know, Foden, these sort of characters, really, really top-draw young English talent. And he was there and he was holding his own amongst that group. So the pedigree isn't in doubt. He seems to maybe his career's meandered a little bit and, and he's found that leap from development sort of talent to a first team regular a bit hard. But as he said himself when I spoke to him, he feels now that at this age he needs to really put down roots, say this is my club. I want to be a main person at that club and then let's see what he's got because then you can guarantee he will get the opportunities here under Daniel varker um, He needs to take them and... I thought it was interesting when he said, you know, it's nice, it is pre-season, of course, but it's always nice to get that first goal because, quote, it's not about just impressing your manager, it's impressing the players around you that they can see if I give this guy the ball, things will happen. And and, and he couldn't have done any more in those two instances in the first half. Um, And if we see a little bit more of that from him between now and what remains of pre-season, I could definitely see him starting at Huddersfield on September the 12th because, as you rightly say, Connor that position is up for grabs. Nobody put their hand up last season, albeit in the Premier League, and said, I'm going to be Norwich's creative linchpin in that role. Marco Steepenman maybe thinks, because he did it in the Championship two seasons ago, that he's, he's possibly uh, maybe earmarked for that role. But I think the reality is, um, is, we've got a fight on their hands, those two lads. And you could throw maybe Campbell for as long as he's here, into that, uh, as Daniel did when he discussed that area of the pitch. And, what you see in that role, I think, is what they're trying to foster all around the pitch where they can. Outfield players, certainly, that there is genuine competition and that no player can rest on the laurels and think, I'll have a bad spell here or a bad game. I'm still going to get named the following week. There needs to be that level of competition to drive the standards up. And, uh, yeah, uh, early days, but uh, Kieran Dowler certainly announced his arrival, I think. And uh, that's good to see because uh, you always felt, well, the guy's got the ability, but can he, can he really stick his chest out and at his age say, oh, I want to be the main man and having watched him there midweek and, and spoken to after the game as well, very impressive young man. Uh, I think the signs are good.
0: Yeah, let's let's hear a little bit from, from your chat with Kieran Dow then and then on the back of that we'll have a bit of uh, Daniel Farker um, before we uh, before we let Pad go. Uh, he's got to get to that, that friendly game with uh, with Dresden. Yeah. So here is Kieran Dow speaking uh, after Norwich City's 3-0 friendly win against well earlier in the week.
2: What gave you the biggest buzz today, the goal or the pass to Adam Eder? Um <laughs> You could be honest, you can be honest. <laughs>
3: nice to get off the Mark albeit in preseason. Yeah. Um nice to score a goal. Um, but I was happy with that pass and made up for Adam a great finish as well.
2: Yeah it was it was uh, and like you say there as, as a new player coming in, even though it's pre season you do want to sort of, you know, just remind the head coach this is why this is what I can do. This is why
3: you brought me in. So it's good to as you say Put down the market quite early. on Yeah, yeah. Also with, with the lads as well. Um, you want to come to a club and impress the lads, and so they know know they can play with you and pass the... you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and um, like you, also about building relationships with the ball. And yeah. so, for example, if if I have the ball there, I do know to be off because I'm going to put it in. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's one of them to. That's what it's great to have so many pre-season games to sort of build them relationships. As an attacking player, you talk about building relationships. They brought in Jordan today Team
2: Pukki scored a lot of goals In this league um, Adam is Showing what he's all about Really a young player Making his way he got pace in wide areas As a 10 Who picks the ball up And is looking for options He must be licking it's your lips A little bit yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah
3: Bit of everything really Haven't we We've got yeah. um, for, the, each, for different games What the boss decides Is Whether it needs more people In the pockets Or it needs more pace We've, we've got All the attributes Yeah,
2: yeah. And just final one Um like Michael said, there you know you've had your loan spells away. Do you really now feel this is my time of my career? What I've played so far, I need to be at a club where I really feel I can be almost like the main man and
3: really kick your career in again. Definitely, I was, I was made up to to get that like permanent move, and I was buzzing. It was Norwich as well. To be fair, um, like you said, like you, you, I've had like mixed experiences on loan, and it's it's great to sort of like be settled where you. You've got real invested interest in you and improving you as a player and stuff like that, you know what I mean?
0: From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archent, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archent.
2: impressions, good, good to start the tour with a win?
4: Yes, in general, there are I think many positive, positives to take so first of all, back to winning race was, was also good for the mood, yeah. for the confidence two friendly games, two wins against two third-tier teams is good particularly happy with two clean sheets if I'm, uh, if I'm honest, because yeah. Especially when you have this uh, type of games, it's, it's sometimes tricky when you have so many changes to yeah. to be concentrated in each and every situation. Also, sometimes you concede out of a set piece or whatever. So, two games, yeah, we scored nine goals. We didn't concede. Good. Also, like oh, the way we scored today looks like looks like quality. If I'm, uh, if I'm honest, um, quite many chances. Um, I'm not over the moon with our performance today. I think. Um, they have played a bit more solid and a bit more serious and, and in terms of our build-up. So, Ferl was on a different level in comparison to MK and in terms of the pressing. I think we sometimes we had the, the wrong choice and, and uh, our first touch of passing quality was not was not great. I got the feeling we allowed a uh, few too many chances uh, for them. Yeah, also in their pressing, they were good in their build ups and and, and, and brave, but we didn't stick 100% to what we, what we wanted. We are not 100% serious, anyhow. Um, yeah, overall, many positive things to take, but also happy that we don't start already tomorrow. So I think it's also like we have to, to work a bit. I half expected this a bit because we're really fantastic against MK Dons. and it's always the same. It's more like first game, first start. Mm-hmm. I had to press him because it was a top-class performance and then the next game is sometimes yeah, not sloppy but perhaps a bit overconfident or whatever so it's more like Spirit was not bad, everything's okay but yeah, it's more like I got the feeling so the awareness level was not there with 100% yeah. so I was, I was not, at least I'm not over, over the moon with the performance result, two clean sheets, everything's everything's okay Yeah, but things still a bit worked I mean, you talk about the quality.
2: I'll try not to say it too loudly because he's not that far away. But word on his performance—you know—that assist and then the first goal as well.
4: Yeah, I was Kieran. I'm pretty pleased. So, it was also a sign. I think he worked a lot for the team. Also, in the in the pressing and it's always the same. I mean, as an offensive player, you invest a lot for the team. You're disciplined and what you have to do in the pressing. Then you, you are quite often at least rewarded also with good scenes in the in the offense and. I think it was top class, top class cross uh, to, to to Adams. Uh, Adams' goal, top class finish. I'm uh, pretty happy that we have Kieran, and uh, yeah, also not easy, yeah, because there's not a proper preseason for the new lads to adapt. So he knows that pretty quick he has to deliver. He is more like 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 all the other new players, more like yeah, in the in the due to adapt to the team pretty quick, and uh, they're doing all right. And uh, I was pretty pleased uh, with Kieran's performance.
2: I mean, obviously you don't want to dwell on last season, but you've clearly looked at last season and that number 10 attacking player, you tried various options and it didn't quite work for you. Early days, yet. but the guy's clearly got the pedigree and the talent. Do you think you might have really found a good player there who can really be an influential player for you this
4: season? Yes, definitely. Otherwise, we wouldn't have uh, signed him. We were totally uh, totally convinced. Uh, in general, I have to say, so Markus Stiebham in the first game, he was fantastic. was there with goal, assist... Um, top performance Kieran was there. We have Todd Cantwell who played today in the second half more or less in this uh, in this role. Um yeah also top player who can play this position. Yeah, also Ben Sinani or Mario francic who are also capable to play there. One thing is for sure we need more goals in comparison to the to the last season, especially from, from this position. And uh, yeah, during preseason, we have delivered so far but uh, yeah there's also lots of lots of competition, especially in the offense position, midfielder position, um yeah will be will be a tough yeah, perhaps not for Luton because there are not so many players around but yeah. then for the first game there in field. Yeah, it's, it's not like the starting eleven is not made right now so um, there will be a bit more competition it, it's good that we put a bit like the, the last season to the side and are there and anyhow so like um, right now in a competitive challenge who, who is in the starting lineup, and that's what we need
2: Talking of competition talking of business you've done another bit of business today Jordan Hughes confirmed um, what have you got there do you feel and is it fair to say that he offers you a little bit different to maybe what you have with timu and and, and adam maybe to an extent he's a slightly different type of striker mm-hmm. yes
4: exactly so i'm pretty pleased um because I mentioned to so, my attitude, it was like quality yeah it's defined by by performance over over a long term period this is what he what he delivers not just goals for one month or perhaps one good season it's more like you got the feeling when you when you watch his career Started perhaps even a bit later, but uh, got the feeling with him from from year to year, from season to season, uh, he has improved and also like his goal record is uh, is quite solid. Uh, but you also have the feeling with him, it's more like he's still greedy to to develop and to improve. Uh, so really, really good, really, really good lad and uh, good attitude. And um, yeah, we also got the feeling so it's, it's he offers something something different, yeah, uh, because he's he's physical. He can put the ball under pressure. He can attack crosses is, is good for set pieces so something that we needed and um, yeah, in general it was quite obvious that we uh, need another striker option uh, because we had into a season with 46 games, two cup competitions more or less no pre-season and, and the games are coming thick and fast and the uh, championship is already the toughest league in the world but to do this more or less with one and a half months less anyhow in comparison to a normal season um, yeah, is a quite difficult and for that, I got the feeling, so uh, it's, it's more like we need at least, yeah with Timo um, and with Adam and with him at least three natural striker options, then of course we have the chance perhaps, with was Daniel Sinani, you can also play a bit this role, like a fourth nine yeah. or whatever, we don't have too many options, so we needed this option without any doubt. And I'm pretty pleased
2: that we have him. He, uh, he's obviously just joined up with the group, probably only done a little bit of training, but is he likely to get an outing in one of these next two games for you?
4: Yes, yeah, could be. So I haven't uh, met him so far, I think he will be, uh, was already on the stand he was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, if everything worked out, then um, I think the first time we meet these guys who were on the pitch, perhaps he has some, uh, met some of the injured guys or whatever uh, upstairs, um, but meet the group then in the evening, and, and then we see in which condition he is. I think he's, uh, he has uh, yeah, trained with West Ham should be should be should be all right. And then, uh, yeah, it's important to give him some game time because uh, he could also be a proper option then for the Luton game because yeah, yeah Timo's away, um, Adam will be away, um, Dan Sinani will be away. So for that, I think it's it's important that we give him, um, yeah, perhaps not each and every second, but uh, a few minutes, yes. Just
2: final one for me in terms of you've obviously done a lot of business so you're pretty much there maybe one maybe one more or so and, and where are we in terms of outs because I remember when Stuart first came in he said the, one of the issues he encountered was there was just too many players and players who didn't really have a chance of getting a game on a Saturday mm-hmm. it, it looks like in terms of your numbers that you're very very big on the numbers now are you going to have to start mm-hmm. to look to thin the squad out
4: yeah but if we're really honest it's also like um, yeah Josip primic uh, is not in our plans anymore yeah. so we brought a striker in yeah. for him then um, yeah, we had also the situation, the decision that we go without uh, Tom Tribal and Moritz Leitner. It's more like for that Oliver Skip and um, Jacob uh, Sørensen, Jacob yeah. joined us. Um, it's also after the injury of, of Sam Byram, we needed definitely a fullback uh, option. With uh, Xavi Quintilla, we've got a we've got a definitely a decent uh, decent option, and um, yeah, it's more like additional number is, is because we got the feeling we need also pace on the wing that's also what, um, yeah, what we were a bit missing especially yeah. when O'Neill was injured and, yeah. and we need also such a pacey option and uh, in comparison to the, to the Premier League last season right now with 46 games also like less time to play those 46 games got the feeling yeah one or two numbers more this uh, is quite important in addition to that then we had uh, the the uh, younger lads are signing with Daniel Sinani, with Bali Mumba, uh, with Sam McCallum,
2: Melvin. and
4: uh, in Melbourne City. Yeah. And it's more like they are young lads, they uh, are coming from the third tyre. Bali was, for example, not even consistently playing for, for Sunderland yeah. on the third tyre. Daniel comes from Luxembourg, Melbourne City. Yeah, second tire in, in, in France also struggling a bit with, um, with language sem- uh, semicolon from the third tire so more like all young lads full of potential they are pretty much uh, at least some of them were already pretty much uh, pretty much involved and um, it's more like even if if one or two of them can also surprise and and add to this number and be really uh, a top-class option yeah, well done. You have to say in, the, in this business. So we can't expect that all four, or five of uh, of these young lads who are a bit, perhaps, unpredictable, how far and how quick they can adapt, be really like proper option. It's more like okay, we want to want to, to have them during during pre-season with us and and, and to see uh, how quick they can help us. But it's more like they were all signings for the for the mid and long-term uh, future. And I have to say they are quite quite well so far. So they adapted quite well. It's of course not that Sam McCallum first time that he plays on this level right now after one week we can replace Jamal uh, Lewis when he's injured or something like this but uh, they're doing quite well, I'm pretty pleased with them, many compliments also um, but in general I got the feeling so it's, it's not like um, we have increased the really proper numbers uh, that much so oh, one or two but we need this uh, if, mm. I'm, if I'm honest and we definitely need this and uh, the, the yeah and this toughest competition in the world, uh, the championship and this in a pretty special year and then without a preseason. So uh, I think we are, we are quite there and, and uh, more or less yeah, I would say that's it, yeah, let's wait yeah. how it develops, uh, i sure if perhaps any crazy offer will come in. Um, from my point of view hopefully not, so uh, as a coach we uh, wouldn't even sell a player like Max Evans for 50 million pounds, I know so how this business works and uh, when there's a uh, you know, uh, Crazy offer sometimes. Sometimes something something happens. Uh, but I think with this group that we have, pretty pretty pleased. It's not like we we have already brought numbers in and right now okay we can we can sell four players. so I don't have the feeling we are we are capable to do this. Not at all.
0: So that was Kieran Dow and Daniel Farker uh, speaking to to Pad after Norwich City's three 0 win against Verl on Monday. Uh, they're their second pre season friendly, they play with Dresden. Uh, the afternoon of which we're recording this, you'll probably know the result and, and the performance. Um, I think there's a live stream probably um, circulating that, that you'll be able to watch, and of course, Paddy will be on the live blog. Um, Paddy, before we let you go, then, um, people will be interested, of course, with, with the latest sort of transfer updates. I guess we, we're probably only really expecting one more, aren't we? I guess, and that is the, the centre back position. And it's probably the position that Norwich City fans have, um, have highlighted has uh, been the one that they wanted to see somebody come in. Obviously, we've heard Ben Gibson's name um, touted probably throughout the summer, really, so far. Um, where, where are Norwich City in terms of their hunt for, for a new centre-back? Well, you've mapped it out exactly
2: where they are, that, that he's the one they've identified. Um, and and by all accounts, he, he wouldn't be averse to, to maybe coming and joining this sort of uh, promotion push. But ultimately, uh, the biggest factor there is going to be what Burnley want to do with the lad. He's got two years left of his contract, I think they are paid reportedly in the region of £15 million. He's clearly serviced the requirements. That there's no way back from, I think, under Sean Dyche at Turf Moor. So, is there is there common ground between the two clubs, I think? Uh, because I think the player probably would be quite receptive to the idea. But can Norwich put together a package which convinces Burnley to part with the guy? So, that is obviously ongoing as we speak. Um, if it doesn't happen, then... You would think they would have to go uh, and drop down to their next name on their centre back list, but that is clearly the one area that they still feel they need to do some business. Now, Hughes in the door, um, and what it means in terms of outs in that area of the pitch. Well, of course, there, there was a lot of speculation around Ben Godfrey's future. Ben Godfrey's future um, gone a little bit quiet. Uh, uh, not just him, but all those sort of four or five young lads, and maybe that's just the lull before it all whips up again. Because we still, as we sit here today six weeks and a little bit more away from the deadline closing. So you can guarantee there will be plenty more speculation surrounding those lads. Um, And Daniel, I asked him about that and probably just heard it in the the chat we've just played out that he doesn't see it that when they brought in these players to then allow players to go out, but by the same token, he's been around the block enough times to expect that there will be plenty of speculation. But as we sit here right now, no bids on the table for any of those guys. And, If the situation changes, then of course, uh, then it's as it was with Jamal Lewis. Whoever comes knocking on Norwich's door has to come with a realistic valuation for any of those players. If they don't, the doors remain shut um, and those players will stay at Norwich because they're not under any financial pressure here and now to, to offload any of those guys. But I think we're we're all probably expecting maybe one or two of those five will depart because it's not just about what Norwich want, it's about what the players, their representatives, their family, and also what offers are out there for them. So, very fluid situation in terms of the squad makeup still, but I think you can say with a degree of certainty, Norwich's inward business is pretty much done, bar that centre-back, uh, with the caveat, of course, if they were to lose any of the, the top-draw players, they'd probably want to look to replace whoever they do lose. So, um yeah watch his space, I think on that one, but I think with Hugo coming in pretty much the jigsaw pieces are in place
0: Pad, thank you very much i think we'll uh, all let you go We're probably getting close to the time that, that you need to go, so uh, appreciate that we'll, we'll watch the the Ben Gibson chase of interest and uh, equally those I think those outgoings in in coming weeks are going to be interesting to see as well. Uh, Lakers that leaves me and you to, to talk about all the juicy stuff that's happened in, in the last week or so. Um, let's let's start with Jordan Hugill. You touched upon him earlier. He's, he's an interesting one because of the type of striker he is. He's not one that perhaps, certainly in terms of his character and in terms of his profile, isn't one that you'd associate with Daniel Farker's possession-based, um, slick, attacking Norris City side.
1: No. Um, one thing it does, I guess it puts the Jordan Rhodes uh, words and rumours to, to bed for, for, for now. That's, that's gone. <laughs> but Jordan Rhodes was effective. Uh, as as a plan B. Norwich didn't have a plan B to me last season um, and when Timu Puki dried up goals-wise there wasn't much to replace him so you needed a goal scorer and you needed a plan B. Jordan Hoogles both isn't he? And and you know we've we've seen comparisons with players like Ewan and Grant Holt and it's really easy to slip into the big striker thing but we we talked about this didn't we that Yeah, he is a big striker. Alex Neal said he was all arms and legs and rampaging around and it was like a a hurricane. But I think what you see from him is it's easy to to cover it with that big striker label. Ewan Roberts and Grant Holt were very talented footballers. They weren't just big guys. I I saw a video of um, somebody put out this morning again of um, Grant Holt scoring against Liverpool from, was it, um, I can't remember his name. Uh, the, the cross, Anthony Pilkington, Pilkington do respect. Sorry, fantastic, skillful header for a big lad. Now, you go and say the goal he scored against Everton, where he, he, he turned on a sixpence and slid it through a, a little gap, beautifully skillful. Um, one of the goals he set up in one of those big wins over uh, uh, Ipswich, fantastic run, pinpoint cross, really talented. Ewan was like that, really talented. And I think, I hope Hugel is not regarded, in fact let opposition teams and fans regard him as it but not regarded as just a big striker. I think he's a he's a skillful footballer. I'm led to believe he'll miss a couple, but if he scores the other one, that's fine. I think it's a really good signing. I do. I don't I, I like the way they plucked it out. No, I've forgotten all about it. Yeah. Um yeah. even though he was scoring goals last season, but it's a good signing to me that. Um and for two point six with a few add-ons, I mean, you won't worry about the add-ons if he if it goes up to £5 million, if you're promoted. I think that's a really good price for a bloke who scored in double figures last season in the championship. Very good, really good. And also, the fact that Sydney that, that now seem to have a, a bit more pace along the flanks, you'd expect, in the old way of thinking, that yeah, they'll provide the, the ammunition for him. So, yeah, I think it's a very, very good signing, really do. Yeah, I've like, yeah. beat him up too much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm maybe gonna not downplay, but certainly add a, a a few sort of skeptical comments to that. But I, I, I agree with you. It is, it is a very good deal for a striker that that scored 13 goals in the championship to sign him for for 2.6 million. Certainly as the initial fee. Okay, it could rise to five. But as you said, if he if he gets the goals that, that sort of ticks off those clauses, then I don't think Norwich will have any problems paying the additional yeah. money. Um, and, and he is he is someone that will offer them something else. And again, if if they would have wanted to recruit a, a striker who scored double figures in the championship last season, then you're looking really at a fee upwards of £10 million pounds in today's market, aren't you, in terms of that sort yeah. of striker? And they've managed to recruit one for, for fairly cheap. So I think it, it is a very clever deal in that sense. It's a very clever deal in terms of, the fact that yes, he is a big man and as as you said there, he's a lot more than that. But equally he played in a very progressive QPR side last year, who did like to play mm-hmm. the ball on the ground and, and did create lots of opportunities for him. And maybe they do need a bit of a, a rough and ready sort of striker. And Timu Puki has sort of become renowned at Norwich for how composed and how clinical he is. Well, if Jordan Hugo is a bit rough around the edges and okay, that might mean that he does miss a few sitters. But equally if this Norwich City side contains Emily Buendia and Todd Campbell theoretically when the season starts then as a centre-forward you know you're going to get enough chances in that team to score enough goals Um, it'll be interesting to see how he fits in and whether like you said there Norwich adapt and then go to a system where suddenly we see them put crosses into the box or whether he will just slot in as that number nine and 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 link up the play I I don't know your thoughts on that given that they've signed Puetta and they've obviously got Onel Hernandez as well two sort of more conventional wingers whether that means that we'll see Nuri City cross the ball a bit more
1: well yeah I guess again that's sort of plan b isn't it it gives you an option I think last year they were stymied a bit because they only had one option the the other thing about Hugo I think not just notwithstanding the the playing techniques and styles to me it actually provides proper competition for a place for Timu Puki. um A lot of eyes, there's a lot of new signings, but a lot of eyes are going to be on Puki because of what happened after, whenever they played Leicester, two goals in 19 appearances, I think it was. Um, But Timu Puki, to me, didn't, after the championship season, when he was very successful, carried that on to the Premier League. But what competition, realistically, did he have for his place? Um, A young Adam Eder. You know who even at the back end of the Premier League season the manager wouldn't sorry the the head coach wouldn't play uh, or wouldn't start Um, and probably Josip Jermic who you know has now been told he can find another club because he's not what Norwich require so Timi Pukki's not really had competition for a place and all footballers I think even though they 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 want to be the only one for their spots that he play each week they all benefit from having somebody pushing them and that Push comes from competition. And without it, I, I, I think Puky with it, will be a better player. <laughs> Hugo's presence, hopefully, would improve him as well. It should do. Mm. So, I think, you know, not just the style of play, which now gets a bit more flexible, but I think Puky could benefit. Imagine having two goal scorers.
0: Exactly. Yeah, and it, and it takes the pressure off him as well, doesn't it? It doesn't need to produce the 29-goal season that he did last time yeah. around. If he's got another, it'd be nice, run. please. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. These things don't always work out in, in the perfect situation. Jordan Hugel is expected to play today against Dresden. Like I said, the majority who listen who will listen to this podcast will know a how he got on, how Norwich City performed, and the result. But it's um, certainly going to be one to watch with interest. That to just see how he fits in and how Norwich City mm. build around him. I think as as a focal point. Um, but yeah, Jordan Hughill, the latest in the door, number ten for the summer now. Um, as as we said, there with Pad, probably expecting one more, and then uh, and then that will be it, unless um, there's some outgoings. Let's let's talk about fixtures. Then they came out on Friday. Was it Friday? They're all merged into one. I think it was. <laughs> Murray City start the season with a trip to Huddersfield Town. Um, it's it's difficult to analyse fixtures, isn't it? Because you know all the teams. Mm. They're going to play everyone home and away. It's just the order in which it happens. But um, Huddersfield away as an opening game? Do you have any sort of strong feeling on that as, a, as an opener? Difficult start? Easy start? How, <laughs> how, how do you feel?
1: I don't want the wrath of Huddersfield and certainly not our business editor who's a Huddersfield fan <laughs> upon my head. Um, I, I, you know, I went through the fixtures trying to work out where the blocks were and work out where the good bits and the bad bits were. And you can make a case, because Norwich have come down in, in pretty poor fashion. You can make a case for any result on any game. You really can. You, can. you can turn around and say, oh, Wickham at home. Yeah, but Wickham could be on a bit of a, a drive, can, given what they did last season. Rotherham, uh, Paul Warren, he'll get them going. You can argue for any result. Um, and, you know, had Norwich come down with a bit more fight and, and a bit more uh, uh, unfortunate circumstances, I might have said, yeah, easy again, not a bad start. I mean, it's a way that doesn't help. Um, what will the effect of having either no fans or very few fans in the ground have? I don't know. Apparently, it didn't help Norwich at Carrow Road having no fans. I don't buy that. I see why people argue that. I don't buy it at all. I, I don't I think football should be above that. Um, I, I think it's an okay start. But I think any team they've drawn would have been an okay start. The only one that would have improved it, uh, made it either more difficult or easier, would have been Ipswich. And of course, that's not going to happen for a while. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it's, they're, they're, they're not anonymous st- starts. It's just that they are, all have a very feasible degree of difficulty to me.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think I think looking at it, it's, it's an interesting start for Norwich. They've, they've obviously started Paddersfield, They've just uh, appointed... Uh, a member of Marcelo Bielsa's backroom staff as their new manager, uh, and then it's the the home game against Preston, which um, if Norwich City have or, or do get the green light for test events, could be the first time we see mm. uh, supporters back at Carrow Road in a few months, then it's Bournemouth-Derby, which is probably a difficult double header uh, as we head into October, and then Rotherham, but equally Derby-Bournemouth and I'll probably Chuck Huddersfield in there as well, they're going to be teams that want to get the ball down and play. So they might be games that are favourable to Norwich City. Mm. Um, Before we move on to the fixtures, because I'm sure everyone's seen them by now, uh, I just want to talk about the weird quirk that we're going to have in in February, which I'm pretty sure is the first time this has happened. And it's uh, a bit disappointing (laughs) Pat has gone because obviously it involves his team. But um, I'll I'll read it to you, Lakers, which is on the 17th of February, (laughs) Norwich face Coventry City away, newly promoted, which of course they're playing their games in Birmingham City's ground, St Andrews, uh, this season. That's a uh, 7.45 kickoff. off Norwich then host Rotherham United on the 20th uh, of February at, at Car Road before then the following midweek heading back to St Andrews to face Birmingham City. So they're at the same ground in less than a week to play two separate teams, which I think is the first. I, no one's told me otherwise. I'm pretty sure that's the first time it's ever happened in the league. I, I,
1: I tried to think where it might have happened, um, but couldn't. Uh, It's a shame, I feel for Coventry and their fans, uh, and Paddy being one, um, (laughs) because it was a good football club that was, I'll choose my words carefully, that has been irreparably damaged, it seemed, by people who should know better. Um, And they had good support. I remember, do you know, I think it was the first sort of big ground I ever went to, um, Coventry Sheffield United in the probably around 1970. I'd been to Peterborough but many times, but this was that was the first in the old first division. So Highfield Road, that was I had quite a soft spot for Coventry. And the Rico, I can tell you, is a fantastic stadium if you're working there. I'm not being a fan there, but for work it's brilliant. Um, and I feel so sorry for them. And St Andrews <laughs> isn't the greatest stadium I've ever been to. Um, I wouldn't want to go there once, let alone twice in a week. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very bizarre. I, I, I would. I, who knows by then uh, if away fans will be anywhere near that ground. I don't know. Um, it's probably one that they would have liked in the first week of the season. So they knew they couldn't go anyway. Um, but yeah, very odd. And, and you know I, I've got a sneaky feeling. I cannot keep away from this thought that Coventry could do quite well. I have no idea what brings that on, but something tells me that there'll be a decent side in the championships next season. And I do hope they are because to me, they're a club as a historic institution that should be doing better than, than you know, being happy to be uh, being promoted from League One. That, 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 that's not their place.
0: Yeah, I I, I share that uh, optimism around Coventry, actually. It's probably good that that Paddy's gone, otherwise I think he'd probably be getting a bit giddy. But um, but, yeah, (laughs) I I think they they could be quite a, a dark horse for next season, actually. That seems like a, an apt place to end the pod. Lakers, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much to Paddy as well, who of course joined us earlier before he had to uh, dart off for, for Dynamo Dresden in, into, the, into the German sunset. Of course, this is your show as much as it is ours. So if you'd like to get in touch, uh, we are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of the social medias, of course, com the place to go for the exclusive content from Norwich City's German tour, uh, opinion, analysis, everything to keep you up to date with the latest goings on at Norwich City. And it is a busy time at the moment indeed and if you fancy listening to us on the radio then we are on future radio 107.8 fm every wednesday night at 6 p.m uh, you can listen to the pod there as well if, if you uh, prefer to listen to it on the wire wireless um given we're, we're all working at home i think that's that's probably a, a nice opportunity to do so um thank you very much for listening if you if you are of course listening on a on a podcast um application then make sure you you subscribe to the pod and, and leave a like and a review as well that always really helps us out if, if you enjoyed it um thank you very much stay safe and we'll see you all again very, very soon.